title this week of, of Lent traditionally is called the Annunciation of Jesus or the Announcement of Jesus' Story. Now, I'm going to read to you the text, and this is also a text that's read in Advent, but this is the point in the journey of Lent where the story of Advent, the story of, of Lent connect. And so if you want to look at Luke 1, I'll give you a minute to, if you, if you want to grab a Bible, I know it would be difficult to do it with your phones. Um, if not, I can just read it. We're going to read from Luke 1, 26 through 38. And give you a couple more minutes and then a couple more seconds and I'll, we'll go from there. All right. Here's what it says. In the sixth month, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, be, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What I want to do this week is I'm going to, rather than teach through this scripture line by line, I, I'm going to use this scripture to vault into our discussion. Um, you know, one, one observation is that obviously this is a prophetic text. And by prophetic, I mean that God is speaking ahead of time to Mary of what he intends to do. Now, I want to point out to you something that's obvious, but something that we need to be reminded of, and that is that God is a prophetic God. God is a prophetic God. Over a quarter of all the scriptures are prophetic scriptures. We have huge chunks of the Old Testament and Revelation and major portions of the gospel, like and even portions of the epistle, are, are prophetic. And most of, most, if not all, of the very significant things that he does in the scriptures, he, he does those things with some sort of prophetic word, prophetic utterance connected to them. And I, I think that that's not only true in scriptures, but I think that that's true in life. And that when God is doing something significant, he is speaking to his people about what he intends to do. It would be foolish for us to think that God ceased to be prophetic. He ceased to be talking to his 
people about what he intended to do, if that's the way he's always worked. And so what I'm talking to you about, what I want to talk to you about today is not primarily about giving personal prophecy, which I, I'm thankful that, that we've seen that emphasized in the church and in our, in our own church. And in the last 10, 20 years, we've seen that take a precedence. But what I want you to, to talk to you first today is about how God is a prophetic God and how we are to be prophetic people. And I think that the reason that the prophetic is so important is because God has designed for the whole of his creation to live in the rhythm of his voice, to live being animated and moved by the utterances and the words of God. Uh, John, John 1, 1 through 3 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Here's what John tells us, that nothing that has been made has been made uh, nothing that has been made has been made apart from the word of God because the, the whole of creation, everything that happens, and God has not stopped creating. He has not stopped working. He has not stopped intervening. He has not stopped shaping. And the way that he does that, the way scripture speaks that he does that is primarily through his word and his words. And, and so that's what we're talking about today is that God is a prophetic God we are called to be a prophetic people. How do how do we how does that manifest? And since since we are talking about uh, the annunciation of Jesus, I want to look at a few ways that Jesus was predicted. Uh, first, he was predicted in the covenants he made with his people. Whether that's covenant of David or Abraham, we look at we look at Abraham. It was embedded in the promise that he spoke to Abraham that through his seed or his offspring that all the nations would be blessed. And the New Testament tells us that Jesus was the fulfillment as a Messiah. He was the fulfillment of that promise. So, so Jesus um, is predicted, his life is predicted um, even in the very covenants that he makes with, with, with his people. He secondly was also predicted by the prophets. It's it's interesting to me that if you read um, the prophets that you know that come at the end of the Old Testament scriptures, many most of these prophets weren't listened to during their time. They weren't, you know, most of the people rejected them, but they faithfully stewarded the words of God, and many of those words were predicting about the coming Messiah, and so he. He predicted that he was coming in his covenant. He predicted that he was coming in, in, his, in his words that, the, that these prophets carried. He predicted it to the shepherds. And then finally, he was predicted to his own mother. And the way that God often works with the prophetic is that he speaks first to individuals who become the receivers of these prophetic promises before others get it. And what happens, like Mary, is that these individuals become the literal and figurative wounds of God's prophetic promises. 
God, God is trying to speak to people, to get them into, to bring us into alignment with what he is doing. He's bringing Mary into alignment with what he was doing. And I believe that he's doing that same thing now. He's always prophetically looking to bring people in alignment with what he's doing in the moment. The only question is, are we listening? And I love what Revelation repeats over and over again in Revelation 2 and 3. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We, we, we too often think about prophetic in terms of giving somebody one particular word or some a personal prophecy. At the essence of the prophetic is that God is saying something to his people right now, that he, he, has, a, he has a desire, he has, he's doing something. There's, there's something for this time that, he's, that he is working in. And he wants us, he wants to, to let us listen in on those things. And it's not just for us individually, it's also for us collectively. And so I want to talk to you about if God is a prophetic God, then how should we be prophetic people? I believe there are three uh, movements of being prophetic people. There's three sequences of being prophetic people. And, and when I say uh, be a prophetic people, I mean the church in general, like the church at large is called to be a prophetic people. But I mean even more specifically for us as Clear Path, like our community, I think God has called us to be a prophetic people and that we should, we should take that responsibility and that opportunity. And so the, the first movement of being a prophetic people, the first movement of the prophetic, is that God speaks what he's going to do. God speaks what he is going to do. And God comes to Mary and tells her ahead of time, what is he going to do? Well, why, why would he come? What's the reason? Well, obviously, uh, one of the first things that you would realize is that this, this path that God had for Mary was going to take her down in a very unusual cultural path. It was going to be totally different than, than other normal women, young girls her age. They, like This path would cost her her dignity in the community. I'm certain that most people did not believe her when she, when she said she was caring the, the Messiah. She, people might think she's crazy. I, I'm sure without the prophetic word that she and her husband both would have thought that she was crazy. And so God speaks to her ahead of time because it's going to take her down an unusual path. When, if you follow God long enough, it will take you down unusual paths. I, I, I love when we read uh, it's kind of funny when we read the stories of scripture, we, we always imagine ourselves like Mary. We imagine ourselves as those who are just on board for what God's doing. We never imagine ourselves as the Pharisees who are just sort of this picture of obstinance and refusing God. We just, we just see them as the enemy and we don't, we don't find ourselves. Oftentimes I imagine myself in the, in as a Pharisee, because one of the key things about the prophetic 
is that Christ is always being revealed in ways that we could easily reject. He's always being revealed in ways that he, we could easily reject. Maybe he's revealing himself as the person who needs your help, the person who needs shelter, the person who needs, they need, they need something from you. And Jesus even says this to disciples. He said, when you clothed me, when you fed me, when you cared for me, you did this to me. And they were confused. You know, but he said, when you did this for the least of these, you did them to me. I think that God is constantly revealing himself to us in ways that we can easily reject. The way that he confronted the Pharisees was, was upon something that was easy for them to reject. But we can be encountering God all the time in our lives with, with people that need our help, with new ideas, with, new, with God inviting us into functioning in new ways, into operating in greater power and more love. And like God, like our life, God is unchanging, but our life is fluid in the sense that he's constantly transforming us. He's constantly renewing our mind. The question is, are we those who are receptive to the transformative work that he's bringing about in us? Or are we those that are rejecting? Because I promise you that Jesus is revealing himself to you and will be revealing himself to you in ways that will be easy for you to reject. What does that mean? That means that we have to have a heart of humility and openness to be able to walk with his voice. When he makes the announcement to Mary, here's what she says in verse 38. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In just a few verses later, when they take uh, Jesus to the temple and he is prophesied over, it says that she treasured all these things up in her heart. To Mary, the picture of Mary with the prophetic is that she is like a sponge. You, you can be a sponge for God's prophetic promises, that, that every time he's speaking, that you're absorbing, that you are that you're available, and that there is room for you to receive, receive him. And I think God invites us to be that way about what he's saying and what he's speaking, and that we are invited to be the wombs of his promise in the way that we receive his words. So a person who is like a sponge, they look like, it looks like humility. It looks like quietness to be able to hear. It looks like, it looks like somebody always looking always on the lookout for where Jesus might be revealing himself, eager and waiting for God to speak. So the first movement is that God says what he's going to do. The second one that I'm going to focus the least amount of time on is that God reminds us of what he has done particularly through testimony. So first he tells us what he's going to do. But secondly, he reminds us. In fact, Revelation 19.10 says, 
it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God prophetically predicts what he's going to do, but he also prophetically reminds us of what he's done in us. I'm sure all of you have stories of moments where you were discouraged, where you were beat down, um, where God came and said, hey, don't you remember how I spoke to you? Don't you remember how I took care of you? And, and he did this kind of thing for the nation of Israel, like that he would come and remind them of, uh, of stories. I remember, just kind of comes to my mind, I remember Chris Williams telling me the story of God just miraculously providing groceries at the corner of some street uh, for his family when they needed groceries. Like God, in a lot of times, comes and reminds us of what he has done to bring us back into prophetic alignment with what he's doing. So God uses the, the future and the past to anchor us into his present. He, he, he wants to invite us back into his presence. And this is what we are doing in the, in the series, The Return, is that we are reminding ourselves of the key and fundamental stories of Jesus, the key and fundamental stories of the gospel. We are being reminded. The third uh, wave, the third movement of the prophetic that I want to talk to you about is that I want to take, I want you to take most note of this is, yes, first the, predict, the prophetic God predicts. The second is that he reminds. But the third thing, maybe the most essential thing, is that God invites us into embodying the prophetic. He invites us into embodying what he's saying. Now, I think this is the most underestimated aspect of being prophetic. Jesus embodied all of the prophetic promises over his life, and he embodied what God was releasing for humanity at the time. We, we often think of the prophetic more in terms of speaking things in advance. But the very reason that God speaks things in advance is to empower us to embody his words and his ways in humility. I, I think one of the great examples of this in my life is when I was uh, 11 years old, uh, turning 11, I... Uh, I got this opportunity to go with my dad on a trip to India where he was doing a business trip. And we also were going to spend some time with a ministry that we had supported for a long time. Now I've mentioned a woman before, but it had such an indelible impact on me. Um, Mark and Haldo Bontain in the denomination that I grew up in were very celebrated uh, missionaries for their life and service to the nation of India. And back in the fifties, they moved to, Calcutta, maybe, maybe it was the 40s, actually. They moved to Calcutta, India. And think in this time, as a missionary, you would go on a boat and you would go for weeks and weeks and you would leave everything. And, you know, you didn't have cell phones or Zoom or, you know, any of that. You leave everything and you go there. And they ended up staying there for their entire lives. And uh, they actually, it's so interesting, they, they were... They, they spent their, most of their ministry serving the poor. Mark was uh, preaching the gospel that in their first year or two, and 
and a, um, a beggar came walking through the middle of his uh, sermon. And he said, he said to him, feed our bellies and we will then listen to what you have to say about your God. And it totally changed his perspective and realized that they had to not just preach the words of Jesus, but to embody the words of Jesus in the way that they were gracious to the poor and heard. And so this amazing work that years later had hospitals that took care of, um, that took care of a lot of kids, um, that took care of a lot of families that had, they, they served and were you know, feeding, feeding the poor there and just did so much amazing work, compassion work for those who were um, underprivileged there in Calcutta. Now, I remember when I was that age, I, I got to go over to her apartment where she lived. And there was something about being in the presence of that woman that there could not have been a thousand sermons on, on being a great helping hand to those that are hurting that would have matched the impartation that was available to me that I felt in the room when being in her presence. Because words spoken are one thing, but somebody who embodies the prophetic in the way they live, the fair, like the very way they live, speaks of the goodness of God. It speaks of what God's doing in, in, in a place. It, it's... Um, it's so powerful. When we embody the prophetic, it means that we get called out to live a life that's unusual. It means that like, it's likely that our lives are going to be against the grain. It's likely like a Mary or like a Bontaine's that in some way, even though your story isn't their story, in some way, if we are those embodying the prophetic, we are we're living a life that isn't just the norm that everyone else is living and that our life actually reflects the truth and the goodness of God in a way that is a light to the world. When you live out a prophetic life, you are hope-filled during times of hopelessness. You are at peace when others are anxious. You are awake when others are asleep. And especially during turbulent and uncertain times, God invites us not just to speak what he's speaking, but to embody what he's speaking. This is what it means to be a prophetic people. Now, there's this uh, a Christian philosopher who passed away, I think, a number, number of years ago, but his name was Rene Girard. And he uh, developed this uh, theory called mimetic theory. And simply, Simple, simplifying it, mimetic theory um, for him was the idea that people desired, that, that desire came in us because we imitated the desire of another person. So when you're, you know, when you're a kid watching your parents, the things that they're interested in, you become interested in. And so he made, he made the observation that he felt that, that all of human desire was found by first observing the desire that somebody else had. And so a good analogy to see this is that if you ever watch like four 
three, four, five-year-olds play and one uh, toy, like they're, they're, one kid starts playing with the toy, well, what happens? That toy could have not been playing, nobody could have been playing with that toy for two hours and then one kid plays with the toy and then all the other kids want the toy. And this, this idea that the, the, the object becomes desirable once somebody else desires it. So this is, this is my, my medic theory. He's saying that, that objects become desirable or things or passions or whatever become desirable when we see somebody else desire them. And that, that's where desires come into us by, by mimetic or by, by mimicking people. Now, I want you to think about this. So, that, so what he calls that is it's called a mediator. You have a person who is a mediator of desire. That kid who first picked up that toy that all the other kids now are trying to fight to get, that kid became the mediator of the desire for the other kids. Now, I want you to think about this. The scripture says that Jesus is the mediator of a better way. It says that his blood speaks a better word. When he came and introduced a whole new way of living and accomplished for us a new kingdom reality, he, he demonstrated what things are truly worth desiring. And many people saw that and caught that. When you embody the prophetic of what God is saying to the earth, you become the mediator of desiring a life of God's ways. When you stop to pray, when you stop to show love and hospitality and mercy, you're at rest, you're at peace, you become the mediator of desires that are eternal desires. And what happens is when we become prophetic people is other people go, oh my gosh, I, I see that. I want that. I see what you're bringing and I, I want that. My question to you is, what is the prophetic picture that is given in the way that you live life? What desires are you a mediator for? I want to take this for a moment and focus on what I think God is inviting us to prophetically embody right now. And I don't think this is just during coronavirus time. This is what I, I really believe God is speaking right now is that I believe he's inviting his church to live in an abiding life with him. Now, I, it could take me a long time to articulate all of the manifestations of that. I think it means that we walk with him daily in his presence, that we seek him continually. It means that we are at rest with him. It means that we are in peace, that we're encountering him in our friends, that we are serving those who are hurting. It, like, what, what I don't think it means is that we're frantically trying to do all the kingdom things we have to do. And I don't think it means is that we're exerting all of our energy to try to make things happen. But I do believe, um, I remember this prophetic word that Ed had given our community years ago that 
that it's like riding a wave. It's like surfing and riding a wave. I believe that the life that God is calling us to is like riding a wave. That we walk at rest and at peace with Him. And the reason that we are doing an emphasis on the rule of life, the reason that we are inviting people to the prayer that happens at 1130 is because we are trying to orient our rhythms towards and orient all of our rhythms towards being those people who are living an abiding life. And it doesn't matter whether there is a pandemic. It doesn't matter whether there is nothing going on that we have to be those that are peace in the midst of chaos. Now, now I, I believe that that is central to what God's saying right now. He's wanting to invite his people to walk in his peace and rest, to abide in him, to be distributors of his mercy, to be, to be at this place of, of being present with him in all parts of life. And so I want to pray over you. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sending out a guide that will walk you through a few questions and prayer that you can do on your own um, that will allow you to ponder on how you can integrate some of these things in your own life. And, um, but we're going to be continuing to press into that as a community over the coming weeks. And so God, I just pray over every person that you would lead us into a rest with you, that we would not enter into a striving with you, but we would enter into a rest with you. But God, that we will be those that abide with you, that we walk with you. And so I pray that you will make us, uh, make us a prophetic people, that our rhythms, that our actions will be countercultural, they will be unique, they will be unusual, but they will be pointing towards the way of Jesus. That even in the midst of this time of sickness, God, we take it seriously. Lord, we see the pain. We see the suffering. We step into the suffering, God. But we will not be hopeless even in the midst of fear and crisis, God. And so, God, would you make this group of people a prophetic people so that we can walk with you in the way that you've called us to? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you guys. I want to, Andrew's going to say a couple quick announcements, but what I want to do just real quick is I would really like you to invite you to, if more than, you know, as much as any time that in our church's history that right now we press into community together and we're, we're praying um, at 1130 for 15 minutes. If you can join us, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, this week on Wednesday, I have some friends of mine who are uh, run a nonprofit. They're based in New York, and they're going to be coming on and, and helping us pray for New York. What New York's going through is, is really, really difficult right now. And, um, and so we want to be praying with them. Um, but we really would, um, uh, would like you also, when we share our video tomorrow of the, what we're doing for Holy Week, we really believe that there's a lot of people that need this, that aren't even in our community, that need a fresh encounter with them that they're not going to get from like just a church service. And we think that this is going to be a way to bring people back into a reminder of who, of his presence for their lives. And so you know, just more than ever, we just invite you to, you know, stay plugged in. We love you guys. We will be sending out a guide of just some quick questions, prayer uh, from today's service and the, 
the Facebook live video has already been released for our worship that we recorded last night. So we encourage you to go watch that. I'm so thankful for all the hard work the team has put into that. And, and the last point I'll make is take, take communion at home with your family by yourself. Um, and, and let's be reminded that God is present with us and that he is calling us to walk in communion with him.